Welcome to the Scalar Learning Podcast, your central hub for all things related to education. Join us every episode for the most up-to-date tips and strategies on how to maximize student potential. Sit back, listen, and enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Scale It Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Huzaifa, and today is an interesting day. Started my morning with a tutoring session at 6 a.m., which looks like that's going to be part of my schedule uh, for this upcoming year, which is really cool. It's one of my one of my clients that I've had for over a year, and we're trying to. I'm trying to make things work as the school year begins, and as I know, I'm going to have to be at school every day at 7:30, so I'm going to have to take some appointments earlier in the morning to accommodate my clients, which I'm happy to do. But because I've had to get up early and and start my day in this way I'm actually believe it or not recording from my car uh, before I have to head into the school so this is kind of a fun uh, a fun recording s- scenario and it seems actually pretty quiet and good acoustics so I'm happy to do it today I am talking about design thinking what is design thinking so design thinking is we've been in training right now recently for the last two weeks at at my school and two of the of the teachers at the school have put on this seminar for us for the teachers on design thinking and it's it's a specific pedagogy that teachers all all, all over the place all over the country all over the world perhaps are using to help kids learn how to solve problems, how to tackle problems. And there's a lot of nuances and intricacies to the process that's really interesting. And we've actually gone through the process in the workshops that's been a whole lot of fun and where we've had to solve some pretty interesting problems and do some challenging things. It's been a blast. And I'm going to talk about all the things that we've done. But first, I want to explain what design thinking is via an article from the Stanford Daily, and then I'm going to talk about what we've been doing in the last few days. So design thinking defined several ways. The Hasso-Plattner Institute of Design, better known as the D-School, was founded in 2005. The D-School's building's interior walls were once the exterior walls of an older campus structure. Furniture is never bolted down, so classrooms can remain dynamic. And chairs are slightly uncomfortable so that students get up more and sit down less. Stanford's unofficial eighth school has spurred life-changing projects such as Embrace, a portable incubator for premature babies in developing countries, and given life to the rapidly rising practice of design thinking. Design thinking, I learned quickly, is difficult to pin down into a single definition. The D-School's online fact sheet boasts design thinking as providing a glue that brings teammates together around a common goal, make the lives of people they're designing for better. Design thinking classes are focused on creating innovators rather than any particular innovation. And the art of design thinking is best learned by doing. And of course, that's how, that's how we learned it. 
On another webpage, design thinking is de defined as a methodology for innovation that combines creative and analytical approaches and requires co collaboration across disciplines. Leidenheim described design thinking as a tangible scaffolding through which one can approach problem solving. She specified reframing the problem as a central tenet of the process, citing the redesigning of scissors as a <laughs> paradigmatic example. If I told you to design a better pair of scissors, you would immediately think of something with a handle and two blades that fit into your hand. But if I told you instead to find a better way to cut paper, then maybe you would imagine something that was larger and with only a single blade or something that rips paper or something more similar to a hole punch. A lot of the time, problem solving can become very overwhelming, and I feel like I'm not making any progress. Design thinking is an attitude that gets you unstuck and includes a vocabulary around which you execute the problem solving. And the exact vocabulary, according to the D school, is empathize, define, ideate, prototype, and test. And we talked a lot about these vocabulary words in the seminar the last few days. The five steps are based on seven guiding mindsets. Show, don't tell. Focus on human values. Craft clarity. Embrace experimentation. And be mindful of process. Bias toward action. And radical collaboration. Hopefully that gives you a rough idea. Now let me flesh it out with what we've gone through in the seminar during the last few days. So essentially, with design thinking, there's a big emphasis on refraining from trying to solve a problem right at the, right at the onset of the process. So let me give you an example. What we were doing was we were trying to design a way to ameliorate the disposal system at our school. Currently, there are three ways that you can dispose of waste. You can put it in the compost bin, you can put it in a trash bin, and you can put it in a recycling bin. And we were trying to figure, and it doesn't get used properly because nobody remembers what compost is. People forget where to put, what to put in recycling. There was never any real instruction given. Teachers weren't, prop, weren't trained necessarily. So there was, there was a lot of, it, it was a great idea and a very environmentally friendly idea, but people didn't know exactly how to use it. That's the question. Some people did. Some students did and some teachers did. So that was the question we were trying to solve. How do we get kids to, to students to do this properly, to put things in the proper bins? So we all, a lot of people had ideas right off, right at the bat, right off the bat. And this is the very beginning of the day. We spent the entire day doing this. So right off the bat, everybody had an idea on how to do this, but but the instructions were don't don't think of ideas yet. We went through some very distinct steps first. So first, we said what exactly is what are what is the thing that people need to know when when we're trying if we're trying to if we're trying to get at this, if we're trying to get at this problem, people need to know what recycling means. People need to know what objects are needed to recycle. People need to know what does compost mean, so on and so forth. So we started identifying all these needs. So very basic. And there was a big emphasis, again, on holding back from trying to jump to a solution. We were just trying to sort of eat around the edges at first of this problem before diving in. This careful, meticulous attention to detail to this very nice process. 
I think is what eventually got us to a point where we were able to find some really cool and creative solutions. So you spend this time, you really take a, a zoomed out look at all these different at all these different possible things. And w- once we start coming up with once we started coming up with actual potential ways in which we could potential solutions, if you will, we also did something really cool where we wrote them down on sticky notes in a certain amount of time, let's say three minutes. We wrote down as many ideas as we could. And we were encouraged also to just let the ideas flow, not to be a perfectionist, but even encouraged to have bad ideas in a sense. And I know what the rationale is behind this. Perfectionism is the cause of something that's called writer's block. I've talked about this in one of my episodes previously. Writer's block is more or less a fictitious thing. It doesn't really exist. It's It manifests when you are so obsessed with writing something perfect the first time, right at the beginning, right when you're trying to start something, you don't write anything at all. If instead you let that go, you let your allegiance to perfectionism go away, then you can just write freely. And it may not be perfect the first time, but it's usually after several revisions that what you write is beautiful and nice and clean and neat. As long as you can accept that that's part of the process, writer's block is something of the past. I've found this myself. I don't suffer from it anymore because I allow myself to just write when I'm writing. Same thing here. You just allow the ideas to flow, come down, put them on stickies. Then after you, let's say you're doing this with a group, we then put them all up on a board, all our sticky notes. But then we try to group them. We try to say, okay, which ideas kind of go together? What we ended up, then we voted on them. We just, we voted on all the ideas. We figured out which seemed to be the most popular. Now I'll tell you another interesting piece. Our group, we ended up coming up with a really cool solution that involved kids in the way that we wanted to change the layout of the bins. Actually, they're separated, but then allow kids to engage in an art project where they design characters or superheroes, if you will, for each bin. So we have, and we just put names in, but we want the kids to come up with the names. We like Compost Man, Mr. Trash, Recycletron, and we have these these three different characters, and the kids can design them, they can paint them onto the bins, and then they can also choose different images of objects that represent what you're supposed to recycle, what you're supposed to, whatever, and based on common lunch things that we that the kids usually bring in so now you have the kids bringing in pictures putting them up uh, painting these guys doing their research to figure out what goes to to be recycled what can go in the compost what can go in the trash and before you know it they've got this amazing thing that they're proud of that they look at all the time and guarantee you and i thought it was such a cool thing because uh, and, and it wrapped into this idea was also taking a field trip to learn about it talking about it doing some presentations And the last piece with the characters, actually, that was merging our idea with the other part of our group's idea, which they had come up with that piece. But I think that was the strongest piece. We merged the ideas, we combined them. And I think what we developed was this really great way to encourage kids to learn about all this stuff, but where they're not even realizing they're studying it. They're just learning about it through this fun process. And before you know it, guarantee you it's going to work. Now, we haven't tested this yet, but that's another piece, right? The testing of the, of the prototype. To, so there's another big emphasis on failing and failing fast. You get a prototype, you throw it out there. It's based on the, from the Lean Startup, the MVP uh, model, where you just basically take some prototype 
doesn't have to be perfect, but you put it out there, you test it, and you get feedback, and then you can improve upon it and build upon it. We did another exercise to show this process of trying and failure. This was the coolest thing, actually, the whole day. It was so much fun. So our team was given 20 pieces of spaghetti, dried, a certain amount of tape, and one marshmallow. And using these tools, we were told to build the highest structure we could. And at the top of that structure, the marshmallow had to go. We had four groups. Now, the uh, what they wanted us to do was just to dive in, start building, start trying, failing, trying again. The only problem is the tape actually gets old after you keep using it, undoing it, etc. We kind of had to, and unfortunately in this exercise, we didn't really get to try things and retry, but it worked out for the best for us. It was really cool because everybody had all these different designs. The way we started was we just said, hey, let's start with the marshmallow. Let's stick these guys, let's stick some spaghetti in. And we actually developed almost like an Eiffel Tower. Okay, it was actually so cool and it came out perfectly. Like, it, it was actually great. So we constructed an Eiffel Tower, started building it up, building it up. We were done in, I think, half the time. And we actually ended up winning. There were other structures that looked like they were going to beat us. Everybody else waited to put the marshmallow at the end. They put the marshmallow at the very end. Every single one, the marshmallow collapsed the structure, except for ours. Because we started with it on top. We had no idea that that was the right strategy, but it ended up being being the right one, I guess, in this case. And we even thought about trying to make it a little bit taller because we could have. But I'm glad we didn't because I think it would have collapsed the structure as well. To I think, and I brought this up the other day, I think to really get to the point of prototyping and failing and trying again, you could modify this activity in the simple way of giving you three sets of materials. You say, okay, I'm going to try with this one. And as soon as we figure out it doesn't work or we can do it better, we scrap it, get a new set of supplies, rebuild it, scrap it, get a new set of supplies, rebuild it again. Every time learning from what you're doing. Anyways, the idea is you build something, just go for it, get your hands dirty, build it up, let it not work, let it fail, and but see where it fails and then improve upon it. This is so important because this is exactly the mindset necessary if you are an entrepreneur, if you're trying to build a product or start something for the first time. Just get it out there. Most people spend too much time planning or thinking or contemplating or worrying and they don't ever produce anything. I learned this lesson from a close friend of mine, Jasper Rivers, who's just like, hey man, just put it out. Don't stress too much. And most of the time, people get really scared about what others are going to think. Oh my God, this product's not great or it's not perfect or it's crap. Most of the time, that's only a problem if the word gets out. So it's a good problem. If people are saying that, that means a lot of people are buying it or looking at it. So that's, that's not a big deal. But usually that's not going to happen. Your fears are overblown. Just get it done. Get something out there. And then you can refine it. That's the idea. And I think what's cool about this is not only from our perspective of doing it and maybe actually following this this methodology, but we're going to get to get it involved with kids who are in lower school. Like, How cool is that to actually get them thinking in this way, to reframe their mindsets, to get away from that perfection mindset where everything's got to be absolutely perfect just right the first time around. That can be dangerous and that can be, it can be restrictive. 
So anyways, it was so cool. I know we're going to use it this year. I've already got an awesome, I, what I think is going to be an awesome design thinking project for my kids involving math and slope intercept and using, uh, using slope intercept and a map to create a scavenger hunt. I've got everything written down. I'm getting it getting it all planned out so it'll be ready to go at the beginning of the school year, but it's going to be really fun. And I think that's a huge, that's another huge theme is to make learning fun and enjoyable and interesting and engaging and interactive. So check it out. If you want to check out the article that I read earlier in the episode, you can find it at the show notes. You can find the show notes at www.scalerlearning.com. And as always, if you have questions or comments for me, please email me. I implore you. Huzefa at scalerlearning.com. Would love to hear from you. It's been a pleasure as always on this early morning. Thank you guys so much for joining. I'll see you guys next time. Take it easy. Learning. Give me that scalar learning.